Radio Lockdown is a Neptune podcast. Hi there and welcome to Radio Lockdown. I'm Justin MacArthur. This week on the show, another journey into the politics of personal data. I'm joined once again by Angus. For those new to the show, Angus is an IT professional who we've previously had on to discuss COVID's impact on IT services, the push for employees to work remotely, and the technical details of the Australian COVID Safe app. Is there anything else you wanted to to mention about your credentials, Angus? Uh, no, no, that's all right. This week I'm close enough to the coalface, but I won't say why. Okay, well, today we'll be tackling another data privacy issue, this time the use of the political campaign tool Nation Builder by the South Australian Liberal Party, including on government websites. And in particular, uh, my interest is trying to figure out what this whole mess means for coronavirus communication in the future, What's happened? What does it mean? And how can we figure it out? So an ABC investigation towards the end of March of this year uncovered official South Australian state government resources, including web pages and media releases, that were redirecting users through the domain stateliberalleader.nationbuilder.com. SA's Labor opposition have alleged that this simple redirect allowed the Liberal Party to capture email addresses and send out unsolicited political propaganda. Some of the nearly 100 affected websites included links to receive the latest information on COVID-19, including vaccination locations, SA health updates, and treasury grants to small businesses. So... Setting aside the political part of this for now, because obviously we'll get to the political implications, uh, you know, is this is this accidental or is it malice? Um, technically speaking, how do you understand that this happened? Cool. So, um, honestly, not entirely sure. Um, my instinct is that it's probably happened through the Department of Premier and Cabinet. I guess I would honestly say I think this is more of a political issue than an IT issue. Yeah. They manage a lot of web hosting services for sort of across government uh, for a number of agencies. Effectively, the way that this is happening is, so you've got links on um, unofficial government resources. So they've been uh, websites, emails. Um, I think it's mainly contained to websites and emails. So you've got links and that's redirecting through Nation Builder. It's very possible that Nation Builder is taking information from that. Um, it's also very possible that the link isn't really doing anything. The manager of opposition business, Tom Kutzentonis, has alleged that the government used Nation Builder deliberately on these websites to collect and track data for the benefit of the Liberal Party, yep. uh, which, if it was true, would be you know a scandalous betrayal of public trust. You have websites that are actively collecting data, if Kutzentonis is to be believed. Premier Stephen Marshall has strenuously denied these claims, saying, quote, this was an inadvertent use of this platform and we certainly weren't using it to redirect people to any Liberal Party platforms or domains. There's been no data collection or retention whatsoever. And Marshall is backed up by Nation Builder themselves, who say that, quote, no user data has been collected or redirected to Nation Builder's platform or elsewhere. They go on to say that, quote, the sanctity of data is core to our company. We do not share, sell, or harvest data. Angus, I don't know how much you know about Nation Builder. Uh, do you agree with this characterization? Um, I wouldn't say that I understand necessarily how Nation Builder operates well enough. Um, I would say that, so I've used it before. Um, I have some familiarity with it. My instinct is that there would at least be the possibility 
of data being collected. I've gone to the link. Um, it looks like they've effectively disabled that Nation Builder account for now, just because when you go there, it's it's basically empty. Premier Marshall claims that the use of Nation Builder is just a holdover from opposition when the Liberal Party obviously didn't have access to government resources to manage their media releases. Yep. So they used a, a private service. Marshall believes, or publicly claims at least, that the redirection of users via Nation Builder was a simple error that likely occurred because parts of Liberal Party media releases were copied and pasted directly into SA government websites. Okay. So if if this is true, um, this practice has continued well after their election in 2018. So it's not just that that was a resource that existed prior to the election, but that it has been continued on. So can you see how that would happen through copying things from, uh, I guess, partisan political press releases straight into government websites? Would that allow for this kind of, forgive me for using weighted language, but a contamination, I guess you could call yeah. it, of government uh, resources? Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Depending on the hosting, um, it would be very likely possible. Um, I do know that some of the uh, so some of the affected links were going through Mimecast first, which is the system that the government is using for effectively um, email security. So, yeah, I think it's quite reasonable to um, to believe that, yes, it is a, a hangover from opposition. Um, I guess it does beg the question why no one's noticed it in three years. The state ombudsman, Wayne Lyons, has commented to the ABC that even if this is true, it means that, quote, a platform used for a political purpose has been carried over from opposition into the government. This this is all getting into the political stuff. Let's go back to brass tacks. What does it mean to be redirected through a domain? Oh, cool. So um, effectively, your traffic is, um, you're at the the first website you're at, so in this case, let's say it's for um, the COVID job apps website. So you're on there, you find a link, you go to that link. You don't necessarily see where your traffic's going, but clicking on that link, it'll go through wherever it's redirecting to and then to its final website. Um, a lot of websites have a number of redirects on them now because they're effectively designed to, to do a few things. Um, it could also, and in this case, it absolutely hasn't happened, but you can also have sort of information being gathered in the background of websites. In this case, it seems like um, there are links on government websites. You click on them, it'll take you through Nation Builder and then to the actual website. Um, so most people won't know that that's happened. So basically, if you are redirecting through this domain and, and maybe this happens in a split second and you don't notice that that domain in your browser heading changes quickly to a couple of different sites, yep. how could that then lead to the storage of data? How would redirecting via a Nation Builder link allow Nation Builder to collect information from the user? Okay, so I guess it depends um, on how they're trying to collect that data. If you've got a form where you've been asked to fill in personal details and you submit it, it's very likely that at least some of that information will be carried over. Um, if they're not using it for the purposes of ballot harvesting, it's unlikely that they're using much information at all. Um, if you've got, say, and this is probably something they would have done in opposition, if you've got a form saying, you know, name, email address, stuff like that. When you submit that form, the form's logic can submit that data through the link to Nation Builder. Nation Builder are also one of the tools they use is cookie collection. So if it's designed to take session cookies from your browser, then absolutely redirecting through that to a website that enables cookie collection. Um, 
can pick up that information. Uh, they do have a privacy policy outlining how they collect data and it is somewhat limited. But then at the same time, if you've got something like a form that redirects through Nation Builder to another website, you could absolutely be reading that information and putting it into a database as the website would be using it. And that data would then be retained by Nation Builder and could be used for political purposes. This is a way that the, the system could be used and is successfully used on partisan political websites. Yeah. How could this then have ended up on SA government websites? So I guess there's a few ways that could happen. Um, one of them is if media releases contained links to Nation Builder and they were copy-pasted into, uh, for instance, websites or emails without being checked over. Uh, there could be references to Nation Builder, depending how they're linking, there could be references to Nation Builder um, in sort of existing links. So say there was a media release saying, go to this website, uh, and then that gets used for an official departmental resource, then that link could also get thrown in there. The other thing is if, um, I think this is very unlikely, but if the government wanted to do that, then they could get the web hosts, either at an individual department or at a whole of government level to redirect traffic through Nation Builder. I think there's really no evidence that that's happened, but it would be possible. Okay. So let me see if I've got this straight. Yep. It's it's starting to get a bit muddled in my head. So I'm assuming it's getting even more muddled in the heads of our listeners who don't have a page of notes and research in front of them. The Liberal Party were in opposition. They were using Nation Builder. They may have been using that to store data on people that visited websites for the purpose of marketing to them. I'm really trying to get a sense of the scale of this at the moment because on the one hand, it sounds like it could be an accident. This is just, you know, the Liberal Party were copy and pasting huge paragraphs of text from their own websites onto government websites and some nation builder stuff got caught in the in the crossfire. Um, on the other side, you have manager of opposition business, Tom Kutzentonis, saying that this, quote, eclipses any other political scandal in South Australia's history. Mm. So that's kind of the spectrum that we're dealing with here. We have an accident that hasn't harmed anyone and the worst thing that's ever happened in politics. I think <laughs> it's he, quite, he it's, might be trying to overshadow his own uh, parking, uh, sorry, speeding fines. (laughs) (laughs) Which was, prior to this, the greatest political scandal in the state's history. Of course. Let's forget that time, you know, the government bank collapsed. Yes. (laughs) Um. (laughs) So I think one of the reasons that I'm a little sceptical of it just being things copied over from media releases, um, and one of the reasons it could potentially be from a number of sources, um, is that one of the examples... um, was the consultation for new school names. Um, so that was an education department website and there were some links on that. But it was one of the things that should have been a departmental uh, resource anyway. It probably shouldn't have been something that was coming straight from a party political media release. So so this is, are you talking about the links that directed to the education department surveys about names for new schools? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there were new schools at Aldinga, Anglevale, and Wyala. Those surveys also allegedly redirected via the state liberal leader.nationbuilder.com website. And these submissions contained, you know, personal phone numbers, email addresses that could have been compromised and I guess been used for these political purposes if they were handled unscrupulously. So they're definitely the sort of data that you would want to be submitted to the government, not to a single political party. 
Yeah, um, I, I guess my view is with this one, um, it's something that's going to need some sort of formal investigation to determine what the root cause is. There could be a number of reasons that we're seeing these links pop up, potentially a combination of people copying press releases from party hacks and also someone making changes in how websites are hosted by the departments. Yeah. Because they're still showing up as SA Liberal leader, I think it's probably reasonable to believe that this is a nation builder site that may have stomped being used after the last election um, and it was just a placeholder. But um, I guess we don't know until there's been an adequate further investigation into it. The way it's been defended by State Director of the Liberal Party, Sasha Meldrum, she's said that Nation Builder was retained by the Liberal Party because government systems don't have the same functionality. Uh, she notes that information collected via Nation Builder includes open rates, click-through rates, bounce rates, unsubscribes, that sort of information about how people are actually consuming yeah. whatever is being shared. Um, I think that there's a real big problem with that argument in that Effectively, um, she's right to say that the government software doesn't have the same functionality as Nation Builder, but it's not meant to. It's not meant to be effectively a campaign tool. So, yeah, there are some things missing there, but I guess it's a, what she's describing as a double-edged sword. You've got, no, it doesn't have the capacity to get click-through rates. Uh, no, it also doesn't have the capacity to store people's personal information and use them in a database for the next election. So I think, and I'm not, saying that that's necessarily happening i don't think it actually is here but the fact that nation builder does things that government websites don't do good those websites probably shouldn't anyway i'm sorry angus we've got to go to an ad and um it's a bit awkward this week because our sponsor is nation builder nation builder is and always has been committed to the highest standards of privacy and data protection we do not share sell or harvest data our software incorporates advanced privacy and consent tools that enable our customers to comply with relevant data protection laws. And the sanctity of data is core to our company. Nation Builder, for all your nation building needs. And now a real ad. <laughs> Eurovision is the show you love or the show you love to hate. And are there two less qualified people to talk about it than us? It's the Do's Poir podcast. Have you ever thought, how many pyrotechnic displays can you have in one song before the fire alarm is pulled? What's better than a costume reveal? A costume reveal that goes wrong. Oh. My. Lord. It's a little bit salty. It's a little bit sweet. But it's mostly salty as hell. Do's Poir Podcast, available on all good streaming services. And back to the show. So... <laughs> <laughs> a Liberal Party dossier uh, which leaked to Indaily in 2015 indicates that they were, contrary to Nation Builders' claims, that they never harvest data. They were openly trying to use it for data harvesting. The Liberal Party themselves described Nation Builder as a... And I, I just enjoy the antiquated language of this, so I'm going to read it. Um, it's an electronic program. <laughs> in 2015, they described Nation Builder as an electronic program where we can import emails and build profiles on voters. 
when synced with emails and social media, they say it will track what people are liking, what they're commenting on, and add all this information to their individual profiles. Anyone who leaves a comment on Stephen's website is sucked in by Nation Builder and a profile is created for them. This is not only helpful now, but will be very useful prior to an election when we want to target certain people with specific messaging. That seems to be the definition of data harvesting, or I, I guess data collection. Yeah. The distinction there is between data that's submitted on forms and data that is passively harvested through websites. Yeah, and so I guess one of the benefits as well for political parties of Nation Builder is that um, the information it takes a lot of the time is tied up to the electoral roll. So they have uh, effectively the data of the electoral roll available to them on Nation Builder. So if they see someone's name uh, comment on Stephen Marshall's website, for instance, um, they can add that to the profile that they have for the person. Um, but Nation Builder will store things like phone numbers, email addresses. <laughs> From my own experience, I know that you can have things like um, if someone's gone to a specific event, they'll have it saved there, age, country of origin, stuff like that. Um, I don't know how good the quality of information is, but the amount of information Nation Builder stores um, is pretty, pretty excessive. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people would expect. And political parties are free to collect and use that personal information because they're exempt from the Privacy Act. Uh, political parties do enjoy a number of exemptions from both the Privacy Act um, and also things like the Do Not Call Register. However, I, I guess where this gets tricky is if this went through a state government website, then that's also going to be bound by the privacy principles, um, which apply to government agencies. Um, something that probably is at least partially relevant is that this is existing in the context of uh, SA Health being ordered to apologise for sharing the Premier's live streams. There is, I guess, the, the concern of agencies being seen as too political and too close to government. So the, the matter you're referring to is SA Health were criticised initially because they weren't sharing the daily COVID briefings from their own webpage, they were sharing Stephen Marshall's posts where he posted a live stream that was published by his office. But of course, Stephen Marshall's Facebook page is run by the Liberal Party, not yeah. by the Department of Pre uh, Premier and Cabinet. So SA Health were technically sharing the posts made by the Liberal Party, in a sense, mm. rather than posts made by the government. I, I realise that can be difficult to untangle, but that kind of is the core of this whole discussion here as well. This is a matter that is currently under investigation, um, or, or at least we believe it's under investigation. Uh, the it's ombudsman, at least under pre-investigation. <laughs> the uh, state ombudsman have said that the Labour Party should in particular refer to them a case where the Labour Party allege that an email address set up solely to receive SA government alerts began to receive Liberal Party material, partisan, you know, Ads for Stephen Marshall, essentially. Um, yeah. If that's true, if an email that was only on government websites started receiving spam for Stephen Marshall, that's pretty damning evidence that something worse has happened here, whether, again, by malice or ignorance, it would suggest that data was still being collected via Nation Builder and used for Liberal Party purposes, right? Um, well, it, it would strongly indicate it. Um... I don't think it's necessarily 100%. I don't know what the methodology that the Labour Party has gone through with it. Um, they may have inadvertently provided that email to the Liberal Party. If it's um, as the Labour Party are saying, then, yeah, that to me would be 
very strongly an indication that there has been a breach um, and that it most likely has gone through these nation builder links. But I don't think we know enough to really say. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, the Labour Party have a bit of a vested interest here. <laughs> you know, they're the other major political party uh, in our state. Which kind of brings me uh, to the ABC's coverage of this. For their part to explain why this is wrong, why the use of Nation Builder could be a bit dodgy, um, the ABC spoke with Daniel Stone, who they called a campaign consultant. They mentioned that Stone has been using Nation Builder for a decade. He's worked with the Labor Party and a number of progressive causes. But what we heard there is a little bit understated. Daniel Stone is a board member of GetUp and a former digital campaign director for the Australian Labor Party, whose company, Principal Co, lists the alp.org.au website as one of their recent Nation Builder projects. So he's not just an experienced freelancer, he's the guy who built this capacity for Australia's other major political party. Um, and by skimming over this point, the ABC miss out on the opportunity to ask Stone, why are you okay with the Labor Party using Nation Builder on their own websites, but not okay with the Liberal Party using it on government websites, which is the discussion that I think we've kind of had here a little bit. This, this question isn't really addressed in the ABC piece. In fact, mm. Stone actually describes the tool, the same one he's based his career around, in a pretty shady sounding way. He this says... the internationally renowned campaign tool hoovers up information like email addresses and phone numbers. This information is collected passively without your knowledge and then stored within a private context. That's the, that's the phrase that he's used. It's, it's collected passively without your knowledge. So I yeah. have to ask, do you think it's only wrong when these individualized marketing profiles use browsing data collected on government sites? Or should political parties be restricted from building these sorts of profiles on voters altogether? Um, my personal view is that government, uh, sorry, that political parties shouldn't be collecting the amount of information they are on potential voters. Um, I don't. I don't believe they should be exempted from the Privacy Act. I think maybe there should be reasonable exceptions from parts of it, but I don't think that they should be blanket accepted from it. Uh, I do think that using the apparatus of government to do your political job is different. I think that there are some genuine concerns with people doing that, regardless of what political party they're from. I, I think there's effectively two issues here. One is, is Nation Builder reasonable and okay from an information security and a privacy standpoint? And the other is, is it okay for a political party who happens to be in government to use government as a campaign tool? I guess that's a slightly, um, maybe a, a bit of an unfairly emotive way to describe it, but um, if they had deliberately done this with Nation Builder, then absolutely that would be what they've done. Um, if they had maliciously used SA Health's Facebook to promote party political messages, which I don't believe they did, um, then that would be a, a big separate issue. Um, and not really an IT one. Yeah, uh, well, I guess the there's the questions of whether those things are appropriate, and then there's also the question of, you know, whether they happened. That is really the, the IT question we're trying to address here. Is, is there evidence? Does it seem like an unscrupulous thing has happened? It sounds, from what you're saying and from some of the coverage of this, like it could have been accidental. But even if it happened accidentally, uh, obviously from a data security perspective, 
you don't want these sorts of accidents happening. Yeah, so either way, I think that people should probably uh, work to, I guess, thinking of it like a data breach normally. So effectively, has information been disclosed in a way that it shouldn't have been? And then how did that happen? And why did that happen? And what can be done in the future? I think that it's probably reasonable to treat this um, as you would treat a data breach, um, or at least a potential data breach. Um, and so there are like there are clear processes in place for state and federal governments to deal with uh, potential breaches of, of data security. I, I guess it's worth going through the sort of the proper process for determining uh, the extent to which information has been compromised and the reason for that. And in the context of COVID communication, which we've come back to, obviously, uh, in terms of data security before with the COVID Safe app, we we kind of stared down these concerns. Um, and we've also discussed uh, QR codes on the show, although uh, without your wonderful insight, of course. Do you think QR codes are good? I'll just quickly ask you that one. Um, maybe. Uh, like, I think that people aren't using them enough to provide enough meaningful information. This is anecdotal, obviously, but I guess I get the feeling that a lot of people are signing in sometimes, not always. Yeah. Um, that's something I know that I've done myself, so I don't have an easy solution to how to fix that. Um, and if I did, I would probably be earning a lot more. But <laughs> the value of the QR codes for me would be determinant on how the information is used as part of contact tracing. Uh, we haven't had any real cases since November, uh, but if there were cases of community transmission, I would hope that uh, the people who were, who scanned in really close would also get notified. Uh, I just don't know what the processes would be. Having recently, I travelled to Victoria briefly over Easter. I mean, admittedly, I was travelling through country towns, so you can't expect that the uptake of QR codes would be necessarily representative compared to my study of the Adelaide CBD. Uh, but every cafe or bakery that I went to had a different QR code, different proprietary software behind it, a different website where you're just being asked to enter your details from a data security perspective. It's, it's a bit varied. I guess in SA, we've benefited so far from a centralized approach and from trust in SA Health as an independent government body. Would you say that if this does represent a compromising of these government resources, what impact would that have on COVID communication? And, and more to the point, how do you think we should respond to this information? Is it just something we wait and see what the verdict rendered by the ombudsman or, or other people looking into it is? Is there some way we should change our behaviour? That's it. Um, I, I guess I would say uh, there's probably a few things there. I think that uh, it has, so data security breaches or perceived or potential breaches absolutely have the real risk of undermining confidence in um, effectively wherever the data breach is. Um, that's why no one uses our friend finder anymore um, because 400 million email addresses were, were shared to the partners and families of people who used that to cheat. Um, Wasn't that Ashley Madison? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Ashley Madison was the cheating one. Adult Friend Finder also had hundreds of millions of email addresses that were disclosed. I was on both, so I, I wanted to... Of course. Yeah, I was I was using both prolifically, and it was a real travesty for me. So um, people can think of, you know, big data breaches, um, especially IT nodes. Um, it does run the risk of really undermining confidence in wherever the data breaches are. Um, so in this case, I, I think that one of the big problems is the way that both political parties 
have responded to this. Um, it is effectively turned into a very political exercise. Um, I think that the government hasn't necessarily disclosed as much information as we should, but also that the Labour Party have effectively tried to use it as if it will attack uh, 11 months out from an election. So I, I think that that sort of politicising of it is somewhat likely to probably partially not a huge amount, but I think it'll somewhat undermine confidence in the way that the government is messaging around COVID. And absolutely, I, I would almost guarantee you that a few, probably quite a small number, but a few people won't be happy using QR codes anymore um, and they won't be as happy sharing information with the government about COVID. But I think that effect will be quite minimal. Yeah, and, and obviously it's important to note that the QR codes are run through a different system that goes directly to SA Health. We know that the SA Health website is one of the websites that had links, yeah. but the QR code data is not connected in any way to that. And I think there would be a much larger scandal uh, if there was any connection there. Yeah. But uh, I guess, I mean, should it undermine people's confidence or should it, you know, uh, you're saying it will for a limited number uh, of people. Should we be concerned? No, um, I don't think we realistically should be. Um, I think that, or at least I think we should probably always be somewhat concerned. Right. Um, alert but not alarmed is probably a good way to respond to potential cybersecurity incidents, which is how we can absolutely treat this. Uh, I don't think that there's a huge amount of risk of information being disclosed to the Liberal Party. Um, and most of the information that's disclosed, honestly, they probably already have. Uh, it's one of those questions of when things like this come up, like how much additional value are they getting from, especially the links where they're popping up, they're not really taking much outside of cookie information is my understanding of it. Although we don't really know the extent to which this has occurred. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I guess that's the risk of discussing this as an ongoing thing. We might not have all the answers right away, but thank you for uh, attempting nonetheless um, I think we have limited enough information at this point, but it's really hard to make a determination in terms of whether we think it's an issue um, <laughs> and the scope to which it is. So for me, it's like, this is like day one. This is um, assess, contain, notifiers is what you should be doing in a cybersecurity incident. I don't remember if that's the exact wording, but it's effectively that. We're very much in the assess stage. Although we've also contained because most of those links have, have gone and I think that that nation builder site is dead. Yeah, and the, the Liberal Party have announced that they will be moving to a different piece of software for distributing press releases. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, in the state of IT that you wanted to discuss with me on the pod? Uh, what, what should we talk about next time we chat? I can tell you what, we're like a year on nearly from talking about virtualization and like remote work and stuff. I'd kind of love to follow up on that. Let's chat about that soon then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that does actually sound pretty good. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Radio Lockdown. I hope it's been entertaining as well as informative. Darcy and I will be back in a fortnight with more COVID news and lockdown wisdom. Until then, you can support us at the links in the show notes. That's it from us. All right. See you, bud. Catch you later, man. Cheers. You've been listening to Radio Lockdown, a Neptune podcast.